I'm Dr. Christy Hughes. Today I'm going to have the opportunity to discuss clinical applications and treatment for patients who are experiencing neurodegenerative changes with Dr. David Perlmutter. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I am thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Where I'd love to start is with your clinical experience. Could you talk about how are you assessing and looking at neurodegenerative changes? What are some of the unique tools and resources that you're using? Well, let me take a step back if I could a little bit and, and really talk about how I got to this place in the first place and that is you know as a mainstream neurologist years ago I was a bit dissatisfied with uh, doing what we did you know we were great at making diagnoses but we really had no tools in the toolbox to help people it was kind of a diagnose and adios uh, scenario so I, I began looking at what else is out there what can we learn about patients that may be setting the stage for these terrible problems that people get and I learned that the functional medicine approach looking at uh, multiple factors nutrition lifestyle family dynamics genetics etc were actually hugely relevant in terms of what is causing people to have brain problems in the first place and even beyond that when you pay attention to these issues you can unravel uh, some of these problems that are so darn troubling uh, you know in mainstream medicine for example for Alzheimer's there is no treatment there is no meaningful treatment available and yet we now are seeing evidence uh, that when we look at multiple factors and uh, multiple areas of insinuating ourselves into a program we can get some dramatic improvement in patients uh, and that's really going against what I learned uh, in mainstream neurology in terms of what was out there well, in functional medicine, as you know, one of the unique aspects that you know functional medicine providers turn to is finding the cause or causes. So I'm happy to hear you stating that, you know, coming right out. And what do you think is, if you think about the top causes that you're seeing in your assessments, are there things that rise to the top if you're looking at certain patterns? Well, mechanistically, uh, I think that the biggest issue in Alzheimer's, if that's where we are, is inflammation and while that may seem surprising uh, you know that's what our best literature has been saying for at least 20 years is that these microglial cells in the brain uh, you know light up and produce these inflammatory chemicals the the TNF uh, tumor necrosis factor interleukin 1 beta all these fancy words but to take a step back it's an inflammatory issue the brain is inflamed as certainly as a joint is inflamed with arthritis so having sa said that we ask then where does the inflammation come from and oddly enough it doesn't seem like it has its origin in the brain mm -hmm. and I'm a neurologist and we're having to look outside the brain and what literature is telling us and has been telling us for quite some time is that there are gut related issues that relate to issues like Alzheimer's and autism and even Parkinson's that's front and center in our most well-respected literature that mainstream uh, clinicians are reading so the idea of getting out of the brain and looking at the gut for example and the gut bacteria because that might hold the key is I think quite difficult for those brain specialists who have felt that really there's nothing south of the foramen magnum that everything is in the brain and that's where we're going to find the answer well the answer for Alzheimer's isn't in the brain the answer for autism isn't in the brain it's in the gut as a matter of fact or at least we should be looking there because maybe part of the answer is there but again it's the notion of looking to treat the fire and not just the smoke looking to treat the underlying issue as opposed to the manifestation that we sometimes see 
Are there certain key things you're looking for in your assessment to either identify that inflammation or get more specific to be able to identify where is that coming from in the system? Absolutely. And, you know, some of these tests that we look at are tests that doctors are already doing. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, A1C. Let's look at A1C. It's a test that everybody's familiar with. I mean, they, you have it on television now. Maybe everybody wants to lower their A1C by taking uh, this or that drug. Well, it turns out that published in the journal Neurology was a powerful uh, study that correlates the level of A1C with the degree of atrophy or shrinkage of the hippocampus, which we know then correlates with Alzheimer's. Wow, what a powerful relationship. The higher your A1C, the smaller is your brain's memory center. So I find that to be very valuable in terms of understanding the dynamics of sugar metabolism. The, what A1C is, the glycation of proteins, the binding of proteins to sugar, which is what a A1C is sugar bound to hemoglobin. But it gives you a sense as to the whole process of glycation that happens throughout the body. Higher levels of glycation set the stage for both inflammation, the cornerstone of Alzheimer's, as well as increased free radical production that kills cells, damages mitochondria, leads to what we call apoptosis. Uh, there are more sophisticated tests that I think are very valuable in the field of neurology. One of them, oddly enough, measures the leakiness of the gut. We call this LPS, it stands for lipopolysaccharide. Why would I be interested in LPS as a neurologist? Because it indicates permeability of the gut. Well, LPS, which is the covering over the gram-negative organisms, when it gets out from the gut, uh, through the gut lining into the systemic circulation, it turns on inflammation everywhere from the top of your head to the bottom of your toe. Higher levels of LPS are strongly correlated with Alzheimer's, autism, uh, and even Lou Gehrig's disease for that matter, and even major depression. What is this telling us? It's telling us that there is something very fundamental going on in the gut with respect to permeability as well as inflammation that shows a strong relationship with some of our most pervasive and tenacious neurological problems. Mm -hmm. So again, it really solidifies this notion that we've got to get away from the idea of looking in the brain uh, for uh, the answer to our most dreaded uh, conditions. So LPS is very important. Other measurements of blood sugar, to get back to that, are really important. Yeah. For example, a fasting insulin test is really important to understand where we are on the continuum in terms of what most health uh, care practitioners understand, and that is insulin sensitivity. Are you resistant to insulin, or is your body still quite sensitive to it, meaning that the insulin level would be low? Higher levels of insulin splashing into the 10, 15, 20 range begin to indicate that the body is resistant to insulin. That is the harbinger for type 2 diabetes. Why does that matter to me as a neurologist? Because type 2 diabetes quadruples your risk for a disease for which we have no meaningful treatment, and that is Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's fascinating to hear you say that because we think about how many patients go in to see functional medicine providers who have gut problems, who've been to gastroenterologists who tell them, your diet has had nothing to do with it. There's nothing it to do with your diet, right? So here we have gastroenterologists who won't acknowledge a link between the diet, and here you are as a neurologist saying, that's one of the first things that you're gonna be looking at with these assessments. It's true, and uh, no matter where you enter uh, in the study of functional medicine, mm -hmm. you can be sure there's gonna be a healthy dose of 
of gastroenterology. I mean, you're not going to learn how to use an endoscope and take out polyps, but you're going to learn about digestion and assimilation and detoxification, which are fundamentally important uh, gastrointestinal and liver related uh, events within the body that play a role in every other organ system, including the brain. So to take a functional medicine approach to neurology has been an absolute game changer. Why? Because suddenly there are a whole host of tools in an otherwise empty toolbox. This is the way to, to treat people and there's there's no going back. Mm -hmm. Well, if you really just shine the light on your notice of the hemoglobin A1C concerns and the insulin resistant patterns and trends, when you sit down and you start to work with personalizing someone's diet or a food plan, are there common themes that rise to the top? Are there certain foods or features of foods that sure. you're counseling and educating and, patients and you know, to address? Um, we know that sugar and a diet high in carbohydrate is detrimental to the brain. Um, directly and indirectly. When I say directly, uh, because of the effects we talked about on glycation of proteins and inflammation. Indirectly, because of the effects of that type of diet on the gut bacteria that then play a pivotal role in terms of managing inflammation and determining the inflammation set point within the body. The other thing that I think is really critical in terms of the diet that still represents a broad stroke is the importance of dietary fiber and specifically prebiotic fiber. Why? Because prebiotic fiber is that unique type of, of fiber that nurtures the gut bacteria so that our gut bacteria can produce our neurochemistry, can heal the gut lining, can produce the butyrate that reduces the leakiness of the blood-brain barrier uh, and re ultimately reduce inflammation. So my key takeaways from this conversation are that as clinicians, if we are looking at the patient presenting with cognitive decline or a diagnosis of Alzheimer's, some of the tools are right there in front of them. They're, they're labs that they're already using, they're resources that they have at their disposal, and the key is to really look for the cause, or as you've already said, the cause of the cause, you know, to be able to get to that point. Wind the tape back a little bit, ask yeah. how you got here, and target those, uh, those ideas. Uh, what we didn't mention, but I, I want to be sure we cover, and that is the fundamental importance of aerobic exercise uh, in terms of the brain. Yeah. Why? Because aerobic exercise is also a modulator of gene expression. It turns on a gene pathway that makes something called BDNF. Now that sounds complicated, but brain-derived neurotrophic factor enhances the growth of new brain cells exactly where we need them. It enhances the connection of brain cells. It helps protect brain cells against trauma. It actually increases telomerase activity and helps control appetite. So it does a lot of great stuff. And the best way to enhance BDNF is to aerobically exercise. Aerobic exercise is associated with an increased size of the brain's memory center that correlates perfectly with the increased level of blood measured BDNF. So you got to do it. So I'm hearing you talk about both there's the genetic predispositions that are unique to each individual and then there's that expression of the genes related to their environment. That's right. And uh, you know, there are Alzheimer's genes. These genes do not say you will or won't. Do they, are they associated with a predisposition? Sure they are and I'm not going to deny that. But look, if you live to be age 85, your risk for Alzheimer's is 50-50 anyway. Mm -hmm. So that said, Let's do everything we can do right now. Oh, I think it's exciting to hear you talk about some of these challenges that we're dealing with, but to really put forth from your experience and your intimate knowledge of the research and the literature, 
there's options, there's solutions, there's you know, the, new the, tips and tools that we never had you're before. Right. Uh, there is some really good news mm -hmm. and it, we need to shout it from the mountaintops and that is that we can change our health destiny and functional medicine is the way to make that happen. Functional medicine embraces the notion of the web, of looking at all kinds of factors that need to be uh, understood so that we can leverage these different areas of lifestyle, of genetic predisposition, uh, of relationships, of meditation, of uh, understanding a person's early life experiences. All of these things come together to determine uh, what our future is going to be like. And unless we pay attention to the web of interacting issues, we're always going to be very, very myopic and be extremely less effective. Well, thank you for sharing all of your clinical experience and your wisdom in this area. You are clearly one of our lead opinion leaders in this arena in functional medicine, and I'm just really grateful that you took the time oh, to visit I sure with us. I appreciate uh, having the time with you. Thank you, Christy.